Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. If you've watched many of my videos, you'll have known that in the past my uh, former dog Shred was often in our videos and uh, she died, as some of you will know, a few weeks ago. And I'm delighted to introduce you to our new dog. If you're listening on the podcast, you're going to have to look on YouTube. So this is Bonnie. She's uh, six months old. We've had her for a week and she's already going to sleep while I speak. Uh, but uh, she's a beautiful dog. We're very, very pleased with her. Jesus cries. It's a strange verse, isn't it? You'll be familiar perhaps with it. John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Why did he cry? What was that all about? What does that mean for us? Ron Laven, a quote I want to share with you. Compassion is not pity. Pity lets us stay at a distance. It is condescending. Compassion is not sympathy. Sympathy is for superiors over inferiors. Compassion is not charity. Charity is for the rich to continue in their status over the poor. And he continues, compassion is born of God. It means entering into other person's problems. It means taking on the burden of the other. It means standing on the other person's shoes or in the other person's shoes, rather. You don't really want to stand on their shoes. That's not compassionate. Standing in another person's shoes. It is the opposite of professionalism. It is the humanizing way to deal with people. How can God cry? How can God show weakness? Is it weakness to cry? What does it mean? Why was he crying? Well, we're in John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and he gets ill and he dies while Jesus is still two days walk away. And uh, Jesus knows that uh, this is going to happen when he's given the news that Lazarus is ill. And uh, he says to those, the messengers that have brought the message that Lazarus is ill, he says that he's fallen asleep, but that Jesus is going to do something to glorify God. And Thomas says, let us go with him that we may die with uh, Jesus, because Lazarus was living near to Jerusalem where there were a lot of enemies of Jesus. And we've looked at all of these in our previous studies. And on his arrival, he finds that Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days. And Martha, one of Lazarus's sisters, comes out to Jesus and says, look, if you'd been here, he would not have died. And that's when Jesus says a very significant verse, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives, whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. And we've looked at this over the last, uh, in our last study. What is living and what is believing. And that's where we're going to pick it up. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. She said, the teacher is here, and he's asking for you. This is John eleven twenty eight and 29. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been comforting, with, been in the house with Mary comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. So Mary falls at the feet of Jesus, but Martha hadn't done that. Why does Mary do this? Why is she different? Well, perhaps it's an act of submission. Perhaps it's an act of petition. 
Perhaps it's her style. Later on, we're going to see that she washes Jesus' feet and that she's a very demonstrative kind of person. Whatever the reason is, it's clearly a recognition that she sees Jesus as really important. We don't fall at the feet of any old person. She falls at his feet and she grieves over the death of her brother. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, this sense of compassion and empathy with the community, he was deeply troubled in spirit. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. This is John eleven thirty three. Where have you laid them, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Now, the, the word wept is probably just a gentle cry. It's not that he sobbed, he, he sheds, sheds a tear. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And I want you to hold on to their interpretation of what's going on, that they, they perceived that this tear was out of love. That's important because this word troubled is quite complicated and complex. And if you've got different Bible translations, you may find out that it's translated in different ways. I often find the Amplified version of the Bible quite a helpful way of understanding uh, the nuances of a word. What the Amplified version does is give us every meaning of a word. And so it says, he chaffed in spirit and sighed and was disturbed. And what most of the commentators see, and those who are much more familiar with the language, is that his reaction is very, very strong, and that it's a mixture of things. There is a deep deep sadness, but there is also a frustration and an anger. It's, it vexes him. So why is Jesus frustrated? Now, there will be some interpretation and some that you will have heard that says that he was cross at their lack of faith, that he was uh, irritated and frustrated that they hadn't waited and, and trusted that he would resurrect Lazarus. I don't think that's actually what is going on here. And the reason I don't think that is going on is because they say, see how he loved him. And the reaction of the people is this frustration and this angst is not one directed towards Mary and Martha and the people. Uh, it's not an anger at their faith. I think it's an anger at death. It's an anger at what Satan has done through the fall, through Adam and Eve, and the bringing into life, uh, into our life, death. That God had intended us to live with him forever, that death was never God's intention for mankind. And it really grieves Jesus to see the consequence of death and, the, and, and what grief causes, that pain of separation and I think this frustration, this anger, is, is directed towards the injustice and the horror of death. And that's why he weeps. And he weeps out of compassion. And we see a similar thing going on in Luke where Jesus approaches Jerusalem and, and he weeps again. He weeps over the city in Luke 19 and verse 41 and 42. And he says, if you, meaning Jerusalem, had even known what, what would bring you peace. In other words, if you just responded to me, but even now you still can't see it. And there's a sense here of a similar idea of frustration at the consequence that uh, 
sin has brought into the world that the evil one has brought in. There is a concern for humanity. He's weeping over Jerusalem that they might have known their Savior, their Messiah, who was coming to them. And there is a frustration that they're living in grief and darkness. And so as we think about Jesus weeping, I want to draw some conclusions from that that I think are helpful for us. Firstly, is this idea that he's emotionally engaged with life. He's not distant. He's not, perhaps as the Greek idea of God is, of God being remote and impassive. God feels the pain of humanity. He feels the pain of the fall. He feels the pain of separation and alienation from God. He feels the pain of death. He's emotionally engaged with our suffering. It uh, affects him. He doesn't look impassively on. And that's quite unique in our understanding of God. It's not something that other faiths would particularly understand or dwell on or major on. But for us, it's really important that here is a God who is with us, who is born in the stable, who incarnates, who takes on humanity, who feels the pain of being a human being. He empathizes with us. He is, it's not that, uh, those, those false ideas of compassion that we were looking at the, at the beginning, but it's this real deep sense that God is alongside as a partner in the suffering and cares about it. And there is a frustration that leads to action. It leads to the resurrection of Lazarus. It leads to the cross for Jerusalem. It leads to redemption. That Jesus is not satisfied with the status quo of suffering. He wants to do something about it. He weeps with Mary and Martha. And his weeping isn't anger with them, but it's anger of the situation and the res- that causes and drives him to raise Lazarus, and it causes and drives him and re- to, to the cross that we might be raised from our suffering. It is not condemnation. It is not an impatience with Mary and Martha. It's not a rebuke for any supposed lack of faith. But when Jesus weeps, he displays his love. He shows his deep care and compassion for mankind and for humanity. And he weeps with our suffering, with the consequences of sin in our lives, our own mortality, our own weakness, our own decay, and our own brokenness in the world. And he understands weakness, and his involvement is guaranteed. He understands what it is to be a human being and to be moved and to be tempted. And he understands and feels for Mary and Martha in their loss. But he understands by getting involved. And this is the whole wonder of the incarnation and our understanding through Jesus of God, that he doesn't weep in heaven he comes to earth to weep with us and to show us his care and compassion for the brokenness of our world. Quote from Campbell Morgan. When the Spirit revealing the will of God for the world creates in the heart a great pain and a great discontent, do not check it. He continues... 
This is what Christian men and women are constantly doing. We ought to hear, though. We ought to know. We ought to bring the new sensitivity of our Christian life into close touch with the world's agony until we feel its pain as our very own. And when we feel that, there will spring out of our life a new desire which will drive us to prayer. And out of such prayer, the toil and the travail come, which brings the kingdom in. And it's that sense that Jesus doesn't avoid the suffering. He's come into the world and embraces it. He's part of it. He allows it to disturb him. He allows it to move him. He weeps, but he, um, that, that drives him to action. And there are two major things I want to draw out for us to set, reflect on. And the first is our copying of that behavior. So where do we feel the pain of a fallen world? Perhaps we grieve over death and we see those who are, are, are missing loved ones. And we grieve over premature end to life. Or perhaps we grieve over broken relationships, over conflict between peoples or nations or, or races. And we feel that pain and that angst and, 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 and there's a frustration at how the world has gone wrong. We're troubled and deeply moved. It may be where there are destructive addictions as we look at those we know or walk alongside, perhaps in our own family or perhaps those we encounter through the food bank or other areas who are damaging their own lives through foolish choices. We're deeply moved. We weep over it. We see and feel the frustration of, of where it's gone wrong when God's ways are neglected. Perhaps we weep or feel the pain over inequality. And we see things that are unfair in the world. We see poverty and great wealth uh, side by side in our own community, in our own nation. We see parts of the world with great affluence and parts of the world with great loss. And the, the, the temptation is to close our eyes, not to watch the news, not to be a part of it, to put it out of sight and mind. I wonder where we're moved by where we see fear and anxiety controlling individuals. And life has been uh, restricted down because of fear. And we're not able to live life in all its fullness because fear has taken a hold. Uh, where does that move us? Richard Rohr says, to cultivate the tenderness of compassion, we not only stop running from suffering, we deliberately bring our attention to it. So where do we feel the pain of the fallen world? And do we respond with empathy or judgment? Is our interpretation that it's their fault? And are we tempted to, to interpret Jesus' anger as an anger with them for lack of faith? Because that's a judgment that is far from the character and nature of Jesus. Jesus does not come into the world to condemn or to judge, but he comes to save. So are we able to respond with empathy to those who have made disastrous mistakes, who are making disastrous mistakes? And as we see and feel the pain of the consequences of that, do we respond with empathy, grief, or with judgment 
condemnation and blame. And therefore, are we involved or walking on by? Do we get our hands dirty and our hearts broken in the places of suffering? Or do we walk on by as those did with the, 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 uh, before the Good Samaritan came and rescued the man who'd been beaten up? Are we active in restoration or inactive in apathy? Remember our quote from the beginning, the last part of it. Compassion is born of God. It means entering into other people's person, another person's problems. It means taking on the burden of the other. It means standing in the other person's shoes. It is the opposite of professionalism. It is humanizing. It is the humanizing way to deal with people. So our first big question of reflection is where are we walking with and embracing and not turning away from the pain of others? But the second huge area is where might Jesus weep for us? And how does it transform us to understand that Jesus is grieving with us, not in rebuke, but in empathy? That he feels the sadness we feel over loss. That he feels the sadness we feel over broken relationships. That he feels the sadness that we feel over sin's destructiveness in our life and the life of those we care for. That he weeps for us. He's not impassive in heaven with his arms folded saying, I told you so. But he's weeping and grieving over our pain. And how is this idea of God with us giving us strength? Because for me, it's a beautiful and uh, enriching idea that God might weep for me and with me. And that sense of intimacy with God is empowering. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you care deeply for the problems and hurts of our world. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to open our eyes to the hurts and pains of others. And in our uh, grief and sorrow over the state of the world, we might be led to action rather than avoidance. And Lord, we thank you that you weep and grieve over our pain. And may we learn afresh that you are with us. And may that inspire and equip and hold us and sustain us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My dog is soundly asleep. Those who are with Mary and Martha, some of them said, well, why didn't he do the healing sooner? Why didn't he come sooner? And we'll look at that next time.